Listener Production. Coming up on today's episode of Footy Talk, we'll whip around the grounds after what has been an interesting round so far with Melbourne and North Melbourne here at the G and all the action from the West where the Eagles went head-to-head with the Blues and did we see goal of the year? That's all coming up on Footy Talk. Thanks for being with us on Footy Talk. It is your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Listener, hit the like button, leave us a review or a rating and we've got new episodes dropping every day at lunchtime. I'm Jack Heaven alongside Joey Montagna. Joey, good to see you and... Did we see goal of the year today? Uh, I think we have, absolutely. The goal from Will Ashcroft up at the Gab. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure you do. I'm sure you probably have, but it was something special. If you can remember Daniel Wells all those years ago doing a Jackie Chan, basically grabbing the ball and before he even landed, throwing it on the boot. And that was from the goal square. We thought it was pretty impressive. Well, Will Ashcroft's done the exact same thing, but literally on the boundary line. He put it to he put hand to boot that quick that it caught me off guard. It caught most people <laughs> off guard. We didn't see it happening, and it was just spectacular. The kid is something special. Now, the goal's great, and we're going to see it replayed ad nauseum, but it's your commentary that's attached to it. Yes. Are you happy with how uh, it went? Because well, you're going to go down in history. I know. Here. I only thought about it afterwards, Jack. You don't really go to a game thinking you're going to call goal of the year. I is probably... it an iconic moment? Like, oh, is it a 13-13? Well, put it this way. I don't think the call does it justice. Oh. There was a special goal. It's not going to go down as one of the uh, – certainly not going to go down as one of the most iconic calls in history, Jack. But <laughs> hopefully uh, we did enough justice to it. But it was the uh, the, the highlight that's the, of the actual goal that was the feature, absolutely. Why don't we talk about the Ds and the Kangaroos at the MCG? That's where we are. And – and we saw a pretty one-sided game, Melbourne winning by 90 points. Yeah, well, it was concerned coming to the game. We did think it could happen, that the class gap between the two sides, the form that the two sides are in, and it lived up to what, what we expected. I mean, Melbourne, uh, and I said pre-game that they are a ruthless side, and ruthless premiership teams, doesn't matter who they're playing, when they're playing, they play the way they want to play. And if that meant they were going to win by 100, that's what they did, and uh, oh, they certainly delivered. All phases of, of their game, for me, are in good shape. Mm. They were defending much better tonight. Their offense is firing and been firing all year, and we know about how good their midfield is. They pressure. Their pressure numbers are high this year. They're getting after the opposition. The Kangaroos were just overwhelmed. It was five goals in the first 10 minutes. Not even. Less than might have even been about eight minutes, and that was it. The, the, the game was basically put to bed from there. The Kangaroos showed a little bit of fight in patches, but Melbourne got all the honors and, and all the big guns, as expected, uh, got on the, on the scoreboard. Five goals in 12 minutes. That's, they set the tone straight away, didn't they? Sometimes... When you have these sorts of matchups where it's one team that's heavily favoured like Melbourne were, sometimes it can be a bit of a nothing game and the team wins by seven, eight goals and, and you get nothing out of it. But that Melbourne seemed pretty determined to make sure they, they made a statement. Yeah, playing their system. And they're certainly moving the ball quicker than last year. That's obvious when they win the ball back from turnover. They want to go quick. They're also playing a bit more through the corridor. They're not playing as safe and as wide as they did last year, trying to protect their defence. They're playing a bit more um, free-flowing football. And, and they still go short, and they find the right options, and they spread the load. Everyone got in on the act. Fritch early, Pickett and, uh, and Chandler hit the scoreboard, and even a couple of tours, Van Royen and, uh, and Shacky, as they're trying to work out their best combination, were also able to get some goals. So that's got them at 5-2. and two. Where have you got them now in terms of if you were to rank the, the best teams in the competition? Where are Melbourne in your mind? Yeah, I've been saying I think Melbourne and Collingwood are still the two that are, that are the benchmarks, only because I think we know how they're, what their best and their worst looks like. There's not much of a gap. Um, I know Melbourne have lost a couple of games, but there were some anomalies in that, and, uh, and I gave them some mulligans. So I think Melbourne and Collingwood, 
the couple of teams are still unknown. You know, how good are really St Kilda and Port Adelaide? We've got – need to see a bit more evidence. Are Geelong going to be as good as they were last year um, or are they still going to be a contender? And then there's some question marks. Sydney Swans and, and Carlton and, and a few other teams. Adelaide, you know, we're not sure. So I think Melbourne are the team we trust the most. What about North Melbourne? Unfortunately – on a night like tonight, it's hard to find any positives, really. It is, and, and it's hard to point a finger on, on what it is because they do have good talent, and they actually have a good age bracket between 23 and 26 that have now played sort of between 50 and 100 games. When you think of McDonald and Simpkin and Mackay and Zerha and, and a few other names in there, um, that, that, I mean, they're missing uh, Davis Uniac tonight. They got some horror injuries yeah. as well to some young players, but... Um, and they had some veterans. It was an, an older team than Melbourne. Just defensively, they're, they're just not on the same page. There's still a lot of work to go. It's a work in progress, and Clarko's got his hands full. You mentioned that horror injury. Charlie Combin, early in the game, looks to be a really, really badly broken leg or lower leg, ankle, ankle Joey. Yeah. We don't know the... The full diagnosis at this stage, but it, it looks shocking. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately for him, the, the big fella has only played a couple of games in his first few years and was finally getting a good run at it and shown a little bit of promise that with some game time as a big key forward that he could be a player. But now it looks like you would think a fair portion of his season is going to be, uh, is going to be over. So a shame for him and a shame for the Kangaroos. 75, 43 and 90 are their last three margins, North Melbourne. It's mm. not good. No, it's not good. No, they, they need to work out... Do they want to stop the bleeding and actually be more competitive? Mm. Or do they want to blood some kids, play the way they want to play in the future? A bit like what Sam Mitchell's doing with Hawthorne. He knows he's going to cop some beltings, but trying to teach them the right way to play. I feel at the moment, looking at it, North Melbourne are a bit stuck in two minds. Yep. Even the way they set the game up, playing the extra defender, it was almost like they were trying to stop the bleeding first rather than trying to win the game or play how they want to play their system. So that's just something for Clarko and the coaching staff to work through, and I'm sure they will. And the Saints next week, so it doesn't get any easier for Alistair Clarkson as well. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Listener, then hit the like button, leave us a review or rating, and we've got new episodes dropping every day at lunchtime. We're going to hand it over to the guys at Optus Stadium next will take us through the clash between the Blues and the Eagles. Yeah, you're back with Footy Talk here around the grounds here at Optus Stadium. Myself, Ryan Daniels with West Coast Eagles great Andrew Embley. We've just seen Carlton absolutely smack the living daylights out of West Coast to the tune of 108 points, Embers. Your quick summation of the night, 108, it's, it was well, a bit of a bloodbath. We sort of spoke about this before game, didn't we? We just felt like we had a, a night where if Kuno and Mackay got the, a lot of inside forward 50 entries, then West Coast were really under the pump in their back half. And that's exactly how it really outplayed, uh, didn't it? Uh, Charlie Kuno tonight, nine goals, probably could have kicked about 11 or 12, but he was just outstanding. Won a lot of one-on-one contests in there. Josh Rotham, he started on Charlie Kurnow, spent a lot of time on him, and we spoke during the call, Charlie Kurnow's Carlton's best forward, Tom Barris's West Coast's best key defender, but yet it wasn't until he kicked six or seven goals that Tom Barris sort of went on to Charlie Kurnow. Now, obviously, uh, Barris spent some time on Mackay, Mackay got a couple of goals on him early. It's not, um, you know, that wouldn't have made any difference in the game, but there was some interesting, um, yeah, matchups. If if you ask me, uh, from you would West have preferred Coast to see Barris start. Oh, absolutely. On... I mean, I, I Tom Barris is the captain right now because Luke Shuey's not out there. Yep. Okay, Charlie Kernow is your best forward. You know, just go and play your best defender and your best forward. Keep it really simple. So uh, unfortunately, that didn't. Uh, 
transpire for West Coast. They got smashed through the midfield. They're, um, yeah, you look at some of the numbers uh, that Carlton got tonight. Newman, Akers, Cripps, Hewitt, Chera, Walsh, all over 30 disposals. Sard got subbed out of the game. He had 25 before he did so. Carlton, uh, they got the soft kill that they needed. They're coming off a couple of uh, bad losses over the last two weeks. Hard to get a gauge where they're at because West Coast was so, so poor. But they did the job tonight, and they were very, very good. Yeah, you mentioned the disposals. 452 to Carlton, 285 to West Coast. So about 160-something difference there. Doing some quick math. That's a lot of the ball. Um, what this does to the ladder, now by the time you listen to this, it might have shifted. But in the moment, mm. West Coast dropped to 18th on the ladder. That won't change for the round. They are last after this. Hawthorne uh, lost by 29 today to the Bulldogs. So yep. West Coast in the spot for the wooden spoon at the moment. And Carlton jump up to six. They're about half a game out of top spot, depending on what happens with Collingwood tomorrow. So on Carlton, did yep. you take anything from this game where you can say, I know a bit more about them. They've yep. got Brisbane on Friday night. Does this do anything to convince you that they're a premiership contender? Well, I'm a, I've always been big on sides that win premierships have got key forwards, you know, two really good key forwards. And they've got a forward line that can win you a grand final. There's no doubt about that, Carlton. Uh, Charlie Curnow, along with Jeremy Cameron, are uh, without two of the best two key forwards in the competition. Harry Mackay is, is building. Like, he still looks a little bit uh, shaky with that set shot from 40, especially on that left side. He loves to snap the footy. But if he can get going, then, you know, you've got two key guys inside Ford 50 that look so dangerous. Their mids can find lots of football. Their uh, defence has probably been the, the question mark, but I thought Wiedering was really good tonight. He did the job on Jack Darling. So they, when you look at them on paper, you'd think, and on the back of what we saw last year with the run they got, they were going to play finals until they stumbled at the final hurdle. So they've certainly got a side right now that their best is good enough to beat any team in the competition. I believe that. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to do it consistently, though. I think most people are in the same boat that aren't Carlton fans are sitting mm. here going, okay, you're playing well, but you need to prove it when it gets to the pointy end yep. of the season. And I think they've got the talent to do it. I agree with you. And we'll see how they can convert that talent into wins. No major injuries tonight. Adam Sard, as you mentioned, was subbed out of the game, but yep. we were told that was just precautionary because he's been coming back off injury and he played really, really well. Super, wasn't he? 25 touches. And really, I thought he was one of their best players before he got subbed out. I thought he would have been in the votes if he hadn't missed that last quarter. Uh, and for West Coast, just a corked quad for Samo Petrevsky-Seaton, who, yeah. to be fair, had been playing pretty well for West Coast before he came off. Just quickly on West Coast. Yep. I mean, clearly, this is a, a rebuilding year. It's part of their their journey. It's an ugly part of the journey, but it kind of has to be done. Um, is there any hope for West Coast fans? Well, that's a really tough question to answer because we were chatting about this before, but you look at the players that play for West Coast tonight, right? Red Bazo, waffle player. Petrusky Seaton, waffle player. Cully, waffle player. Rotham, Foley, Petricelli, Clark, West, Williams, Witherden, Edwards, Xavier O'Neill. Mm. They're all waffle players. And they wouldn't be getting a game in many sides right now. And unfortunately, with where West Coast are at, they've been decimated with injury. But in saying that, um, you know, it's McGovern, Shuey, Nick Nat and Nui. These guys are fantastic guys. But right now, they're 33 years of age. You know, the game's probably gone past them all. They've had, you know, struggled um, with injuries over a long period of time. So you're not saying, oh, you know, you guys are going to come back in and fix it. 
So where's that sort of that, that next group of you know young kids coming through? And a lot of those guys that I just mentioned before that are waffle players, maybe in two or three years' time, we start talking about them because they're suddenly getting their debuts for the West Coast Eagles. But with where West Coast are at right now, you're getting thrown in the deep end. And clearly, a lot of from, from what we saw tonight just can't swim. Very tough time to be a West Coast Eagles supporter. 108 points tonight. The Blues up and about here at Optus Stadium in front of around 48,000 people. And if you have a question for us, get us on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod, TikTok at footytalkpod. Tomorrow, Daisy Thomas, Jay Clark and Abby Holmes on deck to unpack the whole weekend. Listener.